Hello and welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. We are back again with some fights from today. Today we have the UFC. We had Islam Makachev fighting last week. We've got Cain Velasquez on murder charges. We've got Angela Lee coming, fight coming soon. we got all kinds of stuff to talk about. So let's get going. Jake, the producer, is in the house. What's up, Jake? How you doing? Good, been man. A, been a few weeks. It's been, well, we did the one with Matt last week. Yeah, yeah, true. That, that actually podcasted pretty well. That did good on YouTube, and I got a bunch of downloads for that one. So I think people are into Matt. Florida, Florida power on display. <laughs> Matt, the man with the both, both simultaneously the quietest and loudest voice ever. Yeah, he'll go from like zero to yelling immediately. And uh, yeah, no, no Matt, Matt was doing good. People were hitting me up asking to get in contact with him for private lessons and shit like that. So Matt Polino fucking killing it. I saw his Instagram as well. Uh, his Instagram was popping the last couple of days. He has so many people in class and, and shit like that. So I'm glad he's doing well. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go listen to it. Matt's fucking awesome. He's this crazy Florida dude, big and loud and funny and loves to talk shit and chat. And he's a really, really experienced guy. He's trained with a bunch of people, including Sean Strickland, who's now ranked like number four in the UFC middleweight division. Jojo Calderwood, she's top 10. He's trained a bunch of people. And he and I used to work together in Malaysia, which was pretty trippy. And he comes out of that Malaysia scene with like uh, Ev Ting and the Subas and dude, there's so many fucking good people in Malaysia too. And he was an early on guy, Malaysia, like Malaysian invasion. And he fought Will Chope on a boat. <laughs> Will Chope, another alum of the podcast. So uh, yeah, go listen to that podcast if you haven't. But today, Jake, today. Ah, UFC. Dude, it was a pretty good card, man. To say no title fight is a damn good card still. Yeah, I mean, Colby and Masvidal, I was like, dude, I, I, the whole week I was watching these hype videos. They're talking so much shit to each other. They they just leaned into it. And you know what was weird? Is it seemed like, to be fair to Masvidal, Colby threw a couple late ones there at the end of the fifth round. Yeah. And you could oh, see Masvidal yeah. pop up right at the end. And he was like, what the fuck, dude? And Because it's weird. When Colby fought Usman, at the end of the fight, it ended the shtick for a minute. Right? Yeah, where he hugs him. You remember Joe Rogan talking about in the broadcast, he thought he would make, he made a bet. He said, I'll make a $20 bet that they hug after this. Yeah. Because, you know, you talk shit, you talk shit, and both of them know that this is a lot of promotional stuff, but also they were friends. And I feel like generally the bad blood between people will only go to a point. Like, you still appreciate what those people did for you back then. And I thought, like, Usman, it would be like that. But then you watch the end of that fight, and Kobe threw a fucking couple cheeky ones. It wasn't, like, late. But he was like, I'm going to flurry in the last three seconds. And then when I hear that stop, if my punch is flying, um, when I hear well, the bell, I, momentum, it's, it's already momentum. going. Yeah. And if that happens to hit you, oops, it was like that kind of situation. Combine that right? as well with uh, nearing him in the balls in the first round. Oh, yeah. A blatant <laughs> cheap shot. Blatant cheap shot. Like, no, Jake and I were talking about this before the podcast. But if you watch, was it the second round? I can't remember if it was the first or the second. But it, they, they stopped the fight because Colby, Colby low, uh, was clear a, a low blow on Masvidal. And uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, he had space to throw that knee. Sometimes, like, if a person is moving in and you're aiming for the stomach and your momentum is going into theirs, the, ki the knee will rise up and hit you in the balls or something like that. But this one was like, he had plenty of time. There was space. He wasn't blocking him or anything. It just went straight into his balls. I was like, okay, but he Colby, did that was cheeky. He did it as well with enough force so that it had 
be an be irritating, but it wouldn't stop the fight and he wouldn't get a point taken. Yeah, I never saw Colby be like deliberately like that, but I was like, all right, dude, that was a little he bit. He does base himself on Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the fight was good, man. When he when Mosfidal dropped him in the third round or whatever, I was like, I was sitting there watching it while the kids were training and shit. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I was like losing my mind and stuff as it was going on. But I mean, Mosfidal had his moments, but he, you know, the problem was Mosfidal couldn't. He, I don't know if, dude, ATT is a huge gym. His whole problem was that he kept getting pinned against the cage. Yeah. So so Colby would shoot in, he would stick him against the cage, they'd be in there, and that's where most of his takedowns would come from. And in the two rounds that Masvidal had success, I think it was the second and the third, where they were more doing more stand-up, he was cutting the cage a little bit better. He was staying in the middle, and Colby was throwing more, and they were able to exchange. And that was when the fight got fun. right? They're both throwing at each other. Masvidal dropped him with that shot. Yep. But I feel like he was just too tired. Yeah. He was too tired after that. The wear and tear had already, he clipped him good. Boom, you see his head snap back. He drops down to a knee, but he couldn't just put down the gas at the end because I just don't think he had enough. And the ultimate story of the fight, I felt, was just Colby's cardio. Nice. If Masvidal had that level cardio, I think that would have been a fucking fight. Like, that would have been way more, because it was already competitive. But you could just see by the end. Colby was right. He talked about it in his post-fight press conference, the body language, everything. You could tell that Masvidal just lost the energy. Colby hit him with that takedown in the fifth, and then he just stood there and bashed him and bashed him and bashed him, and he just couldn't couldn't yeah. get up anymore. I I was half watching the fight and half watching my kids in the pool, so I kept on like you know look down, look up, look down, look up. But it just seemed to me every time I looked down, like Colby was on him like a backpack. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's only going one way. I mean, Masvidal had his moments. Yeah, but, but ultimately, <laughs> yeah, ultimately he just couldn't he couldn't circle off the cage. He would get pinned against yeah. the cage, and then take down what happened from there. And then Colby would do his thing. And uh, but it was a fun fight. I was crunk for it. Like the hype got me. I, I was totally in. Uh, even the rest of the fights were, were pretty good, but that was the one. It was a bummer that we missed out on RDA versus Fiziev because that would have been a way better fight. I feel like than than Moicano because Moicano just fought and he was yeah. like, I think he, they said he had to lose twenty or thirty pounds and. Five days or some shit like that. And you could tell for he just got gassed. And uh, he came back toward the end of that fifth round, though. But RDA also took the fifth round off. Yeah, exactly. Is the, is the reason why. He was just... He's, not that he stopped trying altogether, but he was like, oh, I'm just going to... Yeah, I'm just going to coast yep. here at the end. But he beat him down in some of those I rounds. I mean, he beat him down. At end of the fourth, I thought they were going to stop it. I thought at the end of the... Third or something yeah, like third, that, there was another one. Like might, because he checked his eye twice. Right, yeah, At the end of the around. third... Surprisingly, he could still see, but then I was just convinced at the end of the fourth we were going to say, "Look, yeah." And then RDA took the end of that round off, and but dude, if it was Rafael Fazeev, that dude is a fucking—he's a dark horse in that division. Rafael Fazeev is a beast, man. His boxing—he's the head coach now at uh, American or not American Top Team, uh, uh, Tiger Muay Thai. Yeah, he's the coach at Tiger Muay Thai, and he fought. Brad Riddell in his last fight, I watched it because they released it for free on YouTube or whatever. So I, I went back and watched it. And Brad Riddell was the former coach of Tiger Muay Thai, the Muay Thai coach. And so the two previous, and that fight was a fucking banger. And I think Riddell, he trains with Adesanya and he trains with uh, all those dudes at City Kickboxing. And I just remember thinking, like, damn, this dude is good. It's a good fight. Both guys fought really well. But like, he's a fucking beast. And unfortunately, he got COVID. So he got bumped from that co made event. But that would have been a banger. But for RDA, he's 37 years old, still doing the damn thing. One of these old dog Brazilians who just... Won't, won't quit. Won't yeah. quit. Maybe put together another run, get a title shot. I mean, he's ranked... Was he six? Was he six yeah, in, so. in the fight today? 
So uh, yeah, I mean he's still fighting on, man. Still, and I've he's awesome by the way. I trained with him. I trained with RDA. He came to yeah because he's he's um, evolved. Yeah, he, he came to evolve when I was there, and I got to roll with him, and he was fucking really awesome to roll with. This is actually before he was champ, like right before he went on his run, like literally six months to a year or something before he went on his title run. But uh, but also it's kind of like you know it's one of those things where like yeah, but Khabib was injured, like <laughs> right? like it's low key. You know, no, no disrespect to RDA's title run because he's a fucking legend, right? Like, RDA's legit. Like, I trained with him. Awesome dude. Went on that fucking run. Knocked out Benson Henderson. Won the lightweight title. Defended the lightweight title. And then, uh, but Khabib beat him before that. Mm, yeah. Right? They had that, that match before that, and then Khabib got injured. And But anyway. Do you think, though, how much the landscape of MMA would have been different if he'd have actually fought Connor? We'd have none of this super fight nonsense. If he had caught him first, right? If he got him before... Connor no, won the title because Khabib was already the number one contender. No, but then, uh, no, um, RDA because you remember Connor was supposed to fight. RDA. Oh right, well, yeah, he was supposed Got to fight pulled. RDA. That's when the Diaz fight happened. Yeah, and that's when everyone was like, "Oh, you can just fight at whatever weight, oh, whoever you want." That would have changed Brilliant. a lot of things, actually, because yeah. that was yeah, the Nate Diaz. No fight guarantee was... Connor would have won that fight. Yeah, totally. You're right about that. I mean, it's hard to say because 2000 was like 2016. 2016 Connor was fucked. I mean, yeah, th this is the Connor that fucked up Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, knocked him out. Yeah, easily. Yeah. And Jose Aldo and like Chad Mendez and like all within 2015, 2016. So, yeah, did you see the thing where Connor's saying he's already going to come back for, for a title shot? Yeah, I've seen it, but he's, oh, I'm serious about my training. I'm absolutely committed to MMA. Next Instagram post. In the pub, shit-faced. Yeah. Also, like, dude, you can't walk. Like, yeah. when are you going to get back to regular training? And then, like, you already look a little on the decline. You need, like, a long time to build that shit back. Like, if you can't get it back when you're not coming off of a broken leg. Yeah. Getting it back after you come back from book, having all that time off, gaining all that weight. Like, he's fucking huge. And, like, you know, the, the fast twitch and shit like that, once you start getting to his age... Like big dieting and changing, bulking up and cutting down and all that shit, like that, that fucks with your fast twitch. And that's how Connor works. And you can just tell that's not the same dude. Like, that's not the hungry, fucking poor Irishman who came up fighting through the scene. And then, like, he's just not that anymore. He can still have good fights, but a title shot. The only thing that I would say to counter that, to play devil's advocate, is that stylistically, Charles Oliveira is a good matchup for him. If you're Connor, of the people he could face, he's the yeah, one. He's the one who maybe he's the most beatable. But I really think that there's a Conor McGregor has been choked out, submitted, and I would think there's a high likelihood that Charles Oliveira can take his back and fucking strangle him too. Yeah. So I mean, if he can do it to Poirier, he can do it to Conor, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So come on. So everybody, no, dude, I don't know what it is about Oliveira, but nobody wants to give this dude respect. Like, he's a fucking animal, but even I'm like, yeah, but... And I'm <laughs> like, why am I saying that? Him. Like, I mean, it's possible, but realistically, like, Charles Oliveira is just in his fucking prime. He's in the perfect spot. He's slick. He's powerful. He's, for ten, me, he's tenured, experienced. Yeah. Like, how many wins and losses? Like, From his point of view as well, like, Conor Fight's going to be money and quite likely on all recent evidence easy money yeah exactly exactly so i mean if you're if you're uh Oliveira, you're like yeah fucking hey, please of course, yeah <laughs> please do you want to fight like fucking a gaethje or a chandler or uh or do you want to fight well, conor mcgregor got... you want conor mcgregor poirier whatever you'd rather have conor any day wait if they just announced that what's that Oliveira gaethje yeah they announced it yeah they announced that Oof. we'll get to that we will get to that because that is a juicy one that's a juicy one 
But the thing is, just to go into, I can't resist, just to go into a little bit, is that Oliveira's jiu-jitsu, man, he is so fucking nasty with submissions. First of all, a stand-up, way underrated, yeah. as we saw in the Michael Chandler fight. But like the way he submitted Poirier, I'm just like, oh, damn, like that's what he does. And then you think back to, uh, was it Kevin Lee? Yeah. Caught him with a guillotine or something like I guess he's got the most submission wins in UFC history. Man, if that guy, if you get wrapped up with that guy, you got you got problems. He's like almost Khabib-like in his application of submissions. Khabib was the wrestler ground and pound guy. But he's just Oliveira's got the most submissions in UFC history. Like that dude, if he wraps you up, you're fucked. Yeah, you got problems. Yeah. But anyway, all right, let's hit up the rest of this card and then we'll... Wait, let's jump back now because we were talking about... Um... So before the podcast, we were talking about next fights for Colby and how much fun that could be. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's, that's a good call. So let's start with he that. could. Well, he's called, so he called out Poirier. So awesome scenario. Either way is awesome. Colby drops down to 155. Let's say beats Poirier. Instant title shot. Poirier moves up to 170. He beats um, Colby. Boom. Instant title shot. Yeah. So you're setting up an amazing fight either way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Colby Covington and and a Dustin Poirier is good business on either side. Because if Colby gets that win, like Dustin Poirier, especially after the Connor fights, is so well known now. Yeah, like he's, he's going to be a superstar when he comes back to fight, as it showed when he fought Oliveira, because that was a huge fight. Like everybody watched that shit. You get the Connor rub a little bit, and then you hit another level, right? So in that sense, it's great for both of them because if if Poirier wins, then Colby's ranked number one in the division. He would immediately be a title threat to Usman. And then, which that would be a crazy fight. I mean, Dustin Poirier and Kamar Usman. I, it's a, there's a size thing. Small. But but the thing is, everybody says that Dustin Poirier is huge. Even Colby Covington said it. <laughs> he said he said Dustin Poirier is bigger than him. That's yeah. what Colby said like today. So maybe we're all underrating Poirier's size. I don't know. Though, and he talked a lot about the weight cut, too, how the weight cut was brutal. Usman's also huge yeah, for his weight class. Usman, so. dude, like... Usman doesn't even make sense. Like his proportions, his body just doesn't rock, even make sense. Rock. Yeah, absolute fucking stud. So listen, everybody's got problems. I think the only real threat to Usman is uh, Hamzat right now. Yeah. Th- because I also think he's within striking distance. If he beats Gilbert Burns, he's so popular. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's such a fucking next. star, right? Like, dude, he got millions of views on fucking like on uh interviews and shit from being at this fight like he's that level he's like in the in the middle east and in sweden and places like he's fucking huge hamza chimaev is really popular and if he beats gilbert burns i feel like the ufc kind of knows that he's going to beat gilbert burns everybody seems to know he's going to beat gilbert burns is he going to beat gilbert burns gilbert but gilbert burns was one terrible decision away from winning the title where he decided to rub his ass on the canvas instead of chasing the knockout yeah but did you see like yeah, but have you heard about Darren Till training with Chimaev now? Yeah. Everybody's talking about this dude. Like, everybody is like, this guy is a fucking freak. And if you look at how he fights people and how he destroys people, and then fucking, and then the worst part is Leon Edwards is just, <laughs> I, we're not even talking about him. I'm literally in it, right? For whatever reason, I cannot figure out what the deal with Leon Edwards is and why people just keep under, and I'm sitting here completely forgetting that he's like on this fucking run. And Covid, the COVID and, robbed him of his yeah. momentum towards the title shot. It was a nightmare. And then maybe you also got to think that he beat Usman beat him already. 
It was yeah. back in the day yeah. or whatever, but that, for whatever, that's there too. So, but anyway, point is, is fucking Leon Edwards. But point is, is like if if Hamzat beats Gilbert, isn't Gilbert the number one or number two contender? Is is Leon above him in the rankings? Let's have a look. Yeah, let's take a look and see. I think he's still number two. But, but that's the most interesting fight in the division because he's already beat everybody in the top ten or in the top five, um, ex- including Leon Edwards. But So Hamzat fighting. I know he's one or two. Uh, oh, Gil- Colby's Gilbert one. Ranks. Gilbert's two. Leon's okay, three. So, uh, right. Okay, so Gilbert's so Gilbert's ranked above Leon Edwards. Yep. Really? <laughs> like, really? I'm actually quite, quite surprised. How? How? I don't even know. Who did he even fight last? Yeah. Pull up Gilbert Burns' record. Sick. Wonder Boy? Well, it was Wonder Boy. I think he beat Wonder Boy before. We're going off on a few tangents, but I've had a, I've had a few beers, so typical. Typical Sunday afternoon. Typical Sunday. But man, I think if Hamza gets the win over Gilbert Burns, he's in the number two. I I'm just saying straight up, and I'm not even opposed to it really. That I think. Do you think uh, Chimaev gets the bump over Leon Edwards if? Yeah, he beats he Gilbert will, Leon Edwards just has what zero is luck. What is that? What is the thing with Leon Edwards? Why is he so underrated and overlooked? So I, I genuinely think... He's got like, an interesting story. Yeah, but he's, he's got a great story, but I think genuinely, like, he was supposed to have his big fight, like, to get in that the, title shot. Yeah, COVID. Yeah, and COVID hit. And, like, um, a lot of the other fighters could still travel. A lot of the other fighters could still get time in front of the camera. Edwards couldn't leave the UK. So, you know, when they were doing, like, those fight nights at Fight Islands and stuff like that, like, people got a lot of shine from those, and he just never got his. And just, yeah. everyone was like, who? What? Yeah, and it was already booked. And if he had beaten Woodley then, I think that was right after Woodley lost to Usman. Like, yeah. the next fight. So he would have gone right to being number one. So if it wasn't for COVID, Leon Edwards definitely would have fought for a title already. There's no question. Yeah. Because he probably would have beat Woodley. That would Not be. probably, like... Now we know, we look back, and Woodley's declined, like, 80% chance that Leon Edwards beats Woodley at that point and becomes the number one contender. But then Gilbert Burns slid in there. Yeah, interesting. It was Wonderboy he beat as well. Yeah, and who before that? I can't believe he's still above Leon Edwards. No, I think think the UFC haven't updated. But when he fought at 170... Rafael Lovato. Yeah, but who did Oh, no, it's a grappling fight. No, No, no. lost to us, man. Yeah, go before that. Let's see his record at 170. Because I, I think Leon Edwards should be ranked above Gilbert Burns. Keep going down. Maya, he beat Maya before that. Keep going down. Okay. Jake Shields. No, a lot of those would say grappling because he does a lot of the um, submission yeah. on the ground. Gunnar Nelson, Alexei. I mean, Gilbert Burns is a motherfucker. He's on a run too. He's yeah. on a run. Other than Usman, which everybody's struggled with. And even then, he hurt, he hurt Usman in that fight. But the point is, I think if Hamzat beats him, it, either way, whatever, we'll move on. It's going to be Hamzat or it's going to be Leon Edwards. Maybe one than the other. Who, who knows? Um, but the the timing with Hamzat, he presents a way more interesting challenge than Leon Edwards. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's not that Leon Edwards deserves it more. But Hamzat presents a more interesting challenge because he's super popular. They haven't fought already. And et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Let's go through the next event, the next card. Whatever, I think we hit most of the fights. There were some good fights on this card, though. The Yan Xiaonan fight, she fought um, yeah, her, uh, Rodriguez, right? Marina Rodriguez or whatever. That was a damn good fight. I thought that was fight of the night, actually. 
Oh, Bryce, Bryce Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell, thank you. Let's talk about Bryce Mitchell. My redneck, my hillbilly brother, <laughs> Bryce Mitchell. If you listen to this podcast and you don't know, I'm from West Virginia. That is some rural-ass hillbilly shit. So Bryce Mitchell rocking his camo trunks. I'm going to get some Bryce Mitchell trunks. I'm decided right now. I'm going to order the flight kit Thank for him. Bizarre, Thug nasty, dude. The Arkansas fucking hillbilly, man. I love it. Because I knew you were talking about him today. I was trying to find out why he wore combo pants. Because he's like, oh, he's the ex-army or something like that. No, he just likes him. Did you watch the embedded stuff with him or any of the pre-fight no, stuff with him? It. I mean, you got to watch it because it'll make you love him more. Dude, he is a Arkansas redneck. Like, he works out on his farm. He has a farm, chickens, cows, yeah. works all day. He has, like, like bales of hay that he clean impresses and shit to work out. And then the crazy thing is, like, first of all, Bryce Mitchell fucks up everybody on the ground. Bryce Mitchell is a GF team guy. And uh, the, the my previous affiliation was GF team, my old coach. It's a Lilins trains with Roly Delgado, and he goes out to GFT Arkansas all the time. There's a few of the Brazilians that used to work with me in Singapore, who uh, work at GFT Arkansas. Yeah, and uh, including uh, Mateus, who used to work at the gym, and Italo, who worked at the gym. They go back and forth there, and Roly is their head coach, and they all train together. And this motherfucker, Bryce Mitchell, takes down everybody. He's got one of the only twister submissions in the UFC history. Have you seen Bryce Mitchell's twister? Yeah, I've seen it. It's ridiculous. Him and the Korean Zombie have the two twisters in the UFC. And when you look at Edson Barboza and you see him next to Bryce Mitchell, it looks ridiculous. Edson, can you do me a favor and pull up a face-off, the shirtless face-off of Barboza standing next to Bryce Mitchell? Okay. Barboza was a top-five lightweight. Huge. He fought Khabib Nurmagomedov. He has knockouts over some of the best in the lightweight division. A big, fought, uh, strong, jacked, like... He fought Nurmagomedov to similar results. Yeah, to similar. That's what I'm saying. Khabib, look at Khabib and look at Bryce Mitchell. Put them next to each other with their shirts off. Yeah. And then look at what they both did to Edson Barboza. And that shows tells you how fucking good Bryce Mitchell is. But they did a face-off with their shirts off next to each other. And, I mean, they looked like they don't even belong in the same weight class. I can't get them next to each other. You don't, can't find a face-off? Uh... There's one right there, right? Is that one? No, in the that's um, Giga. Oh shit. Anyway. Anyway. Whatever. Point is, Edson looked huge. He looked ripped. He looked strong. And Bryce is this like kind of thin, wiry, strong dude, and he just ragdolled him like nobody but like Khabib has. Yeah. His jujitsu is nasty. He's undefeated. He's a little redneck. He w lifts his hay bales of hay for workouts and shit, and he works out on his farm and like, he's just. Awesome, and he's he has a rap album coming out. Yeah, yeah, he, he does. He has a rap album coming out. Thug Nasty, man, listen, this guy's a contender. If you do that to Edson Barboza in the oh, featherweight yeah. division, you're a contender. I'm just trying to find the scorecard because I scored it. It was like 26, uh, 30, and 20. I think there was a 25, and then there was a 27 or something like that, 30, 27. But he had a few 10-8s. Yeah, I, I scored it 9-8, 10-8, 10-8. I thought it was that dominant. Yeah. That, you know, there was no way. But and by the way, Edson Barbosa is damn explosive. That guy can stuff some takedowns. Yeah. But Bryce Mitchell just went through. Can you pull up Bryce Mitchell's record? I mean, this oh, is a on. real legitimate contender. And one of my favorite fighters now. Dude, you got to go watch the embeddeds and shit that he did so you can see like how he lives his life. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He is like Americana 
hardcore, like just a little southern hillbilly redneck dude living on his farm, raising his goats and shit, and then fucking people up. <laughs> like, on a weekend, I fight yeah. some UFC. He's like he's like Rocky Balboa in the fourth Rocky movie, where he goes to Russia yeah. and he trains in the cabin and the shit carries. like that. That's what he does. Like that's how he is. All right, I got his record. Yeah, that's yeah. his record. Really fun, interesting personality. Totally different than most people. Oh, he's on a 10. Andre Feely. He's undefeated. Four, 14 and 0. It's in Barbosa. Andre Feely, who's legit. Charles Rosa's legit. Twister. That, that was the one where he got his twister. Wait, he's, wait, I like he's how he even I says. He was, I thought he was undefeated. In place of submission. I thought he was undefeated. Exhibition. Oh. So it won't count, I guess. Oh. Oh, it's Ultimate yeah, Fighter. Yeah, thing. yeah. It's exhibit. Oh, it's non professional or it's off exhibition, whatever. Interesting. But yeah, dude. So, I mean, Bryson Mitchell is fucking legit. And a lot of those are submissions. And he's able to take down Edson. Took a year off. He's young. He's hungry. I like this dude. Yeah, he did get... Um, one of the judges gave him 10-9, 10-8, 10-8. And yeah. the other's 10-9, 10-8, 10-9. And then the other one straight 10-9s. But yeah. And doing that to Edson Barbosa is That's no crazy. fucking joke. Like, Edson Barbosa is one of the most seasoned lightweight fighters in the UFC and uh, went through his kicks dropped him by the way with his fucking hands in the first round threw that straight down the pipe dropped him jumped on him swarmed him nasty jujitsu dude he's nasty I love it love that dude alright dude let's round out the round card Uh, let's round out the main card here and then we'll move on to Islam Akachev and last week's fights Kevin Holland Kevin Holland other cowboy yeah that was a good fight Kevin Holland looked good he looked pretty skinny though man yeah. Like, he looked really thin. But carried the power. Yeah, carried the power. So good good fight for him. I was glad to see him win. That first round looked a little rough. Yeah. Cowboy was was had good timing in the first round. But then I think Kevin Holland just figured him out. I think he's calling the to him, like, stop messing around, would you? Yeah. Like, he wasn't he, talking, though, surprisingly. Yeah. I didn't hear him talk oh, the whole fight. Did you see the thumbs up, though, at yeah, the end yeah. of the first? I was yeah. brilliant. Just like, yeah. I'm fine. I thought he was fucked, and then I realized that his arm was still in. Yeah. And he was, he was actually safe from the choke. Uh, yeah, good, interesting, inter- interesting um, uh, introduction into the welterweight division. He's a interesting little wild card that that division clever, has now. Clever call out as well. He was already count. top. What was he ranked like at one point? He was ranked seven or eight in the middleweight division, right? Yeah. Like once he knocked out Jacare and won five fights in the middleweight division in 2020 or whatever it was, had a little bit of a rough run there, but looking good. He's a really interesting addition to the welterweight division for sure. But I, I can see him being in like top 10 immediately. Yeah. Well, he called out um, Cowboy Cerrone at the end of the fight, which I think is actually a good call out for him because one, it's a bit like that could headline a fight night easily or be co-main because it's yeah, people are watching for sure. both yeah. of the fighters like him. He's probably going to win it as well. So he and gets the rub. And three, then he's Cowboy versus Cowboy in a row. Oh. Both the Cowboys. <laughs> although the Cowboy killer. That although Cerrone beat the Brazilian Cowboy already. Yeah. So USA won Brazil. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway. um, then uh, we had uh, Sergei Spivak, Greg Hardy. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the takedown, beatdown. Greg Hardy looked good for like a minute. Yeah, Greg, Greg <laughs> Hardy looks great until someone takes him to the floor. And then he's like, uh, what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just can't close that gap. I don't care how athletic you are. He needs... Unless you're Francis Ngannou, and then you can probably close that gap. Like, he needs cutting to the LFC or something like that. Like, a lower division but you know what it's weird actually i just mentioned francis Ngannou. why can what is it about francis Ngannou where he can like become ufc level in five years and then fight for a world championship in seven but then a guy 
like uh, like Hardy, Hardy can't who came out of the NFL. He was one of the most athletic, well trained from when he was young. Like he should be able to pick up everything that's good. Like what is it that makes Francis so different? I'll tell you what makes him different because while Greg Hardy was playing in the NFL and getting all that NFL money, uh, Francis Ngannou was fucking shoveling sand yeah. into a bag. Yeah, Hunger this, has a lot to do with it. Yeah, the sense of urgency is different when yep. he's doing this because he wants to do it and I'm sure he's motivated, but... He's not shoveling sand he's into He's not a motivated, bag motivated like, oh, my entire lifestyle will change forever yeah. if I... Yeah, that's fucking true, dude. What a crazy story of Francis Ngannou. And that went... Did we, I don't even know if we mentioned that. I don't think we, we had that break for a while over a New Year's yeah, and I, I had COVID and stuff. And I think yeah. it was right, right when I had COVID around that time. But yeah, I mean, the way he was able to utilize his wrestling against Cyril Ghosn <laughs> the I way mean, that, and sorry, win the fight. Utilize his wrestling, the way he was somehow able to learn wrestling yeah. in five weeks. For him to win a fight against a kickboxer in a wrestling match is just fucking crazy. I it doesn't even yeah, make sense. I guarantee you one thing, Ghosn's campered definitely not planned for that no and what that's the thing that like, i'm about to think, say like what fight intelligence what fight iq yep. to be able to make that adjustment and to have confidence that you can actually implement that game plan like yeah. He's it, like i feel like if i if i'm francis and i couldn't knock him out and my like my knees fucked and it's just not going and i'm like okay we're gonna switch to wrestling <laughs> which did anybody did his corner advise him to do that or did he just pick up that read and go i don't recall any point his corner being like, we're switching it up. Yeah. We're going to fucking take him down. Yeah. I don't recall that happening. And I'm in like when it started happening and then he found it. And then I think he just made that adjustment and he's like, Oh, I can take this dude yeah. down. Oh, he's worse at wrestling than me. Yeah. This never happens. Which is crazy because his footwork is usually so good mm. that you would think just by like, uh, Cyril Gaon's distance management, he would be able to mitigate most of the takedown problems because he's so long. And Francis is a fucking chaotic bomber with power. Right. But he was able to control him with the striking for the first two rounds. And then once Francis found that takedown, he's like, oh, this wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. I can just take this French kickboxer down. Yeah, do you think Gunn trained a single takedown defense in his camp? I mean, I'm sure he was still like doing his wrestling, like whatever his thing. But I definitely don't think there was any scenario in his mind where he's like, oh, he's just going to lift me over his head multiple <laughs> times and slam me on my French ass. And then what win the title. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, fucking crazy. We're going off on tangents, bro. But because we've not done a, we got a lot card to, for so long. We got a lot to catch up on. Yeah, and we haven't even hit the last week's fight. Shall we move on to that? There were some good fights on the undercard too. I watched the whole undercard actually today. I was able to to do it much to my wife's sh chagrin. She's like, well, she's teaching the kids class. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. she, she's like, will you come help me? And I like roll my eye. like yeah. I have to go do my job. Like ugh. I'm literally sitting at the desk, right? Like fucking watching these fights watching these fights and then Charmaine's like uh Luke because her ankle's horrifically injured she's perpetually injured lately mm. she I think she fucked up a ligament in her ankle uh one of our students had her in like an ankle lock type position and a heel hook something holding onto the ankle and Charmaine tried to turn and kick out and right when she turned to kick out he like be he bellied down and then it was just like and pop her ankle popped and she couldn't walk for like two weeks and then uh, so she's been like stuck in the house and she can't train and she's dealing with all of this shit. And so she can't demonstrate any of the moves in class. So she comes over and she taps on my shoulder and she's like, Luke, will you come demonstrate the technique? And I like roll my eyes at her. I'm such an asshole. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've got a podcast later. I need to watch these fights. <laughs> like, I need to watch these fights. And she's like, uh, this is your actual job, idiot. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I'll be there. In oh, a yeah, I'll be there in a second. Yeah, I'm coming right now. <laughs> I just was like, uh, first I was offended, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I should probably okay. go help you. 
But uh, yeah, so I was able to catch a lot of the early prelims because I was neglecting my work. And, go uh, let's go. Uh, let's go to the last week's, not last the prelims. Weeks. Yeah, fuck the prelims. So, uh, well, the only fight I watched of last week's card was the Islam uh, Makhachev Bobby Green fight, yeah. where we learned absolutely nothing. Because which, which seems to be the case with Islam over and over again. Yep. Bobby get, Green being that late replacement as well, like fair play for him yeah. for taking the fight, but, it was a but he was a fish yep. out of water. Yeah, a fish out of water. Which is crazy, because I definitely thought Islam was going to win. And it, it's a stylistic issue as well. Like, that level of wrestling is just next level. If you're not, like, the top five in the division, you're not beating Islam. No. Like, unless you're the Martinez, the one guy who one-punched him the one time. Yeah. So you can, but unlikely. And, yeah, it was just a clean sweep, man. It was a domination. It was, by the way, Team Khabib is just Umar Namagomedov. We didn't talk about Umar. Did you watch Umar? I didn't see it. That motherfucker has some of the best kicks I've ever seen in my life. He's a Team Khabib guy. He yeah. kicks like Adesanya. He does a lead leg question mark kick, which if you don't know, guys, if you don't know what a lead leg question mark kick and the level of difficulty of a rear leg uh, question mark kick, it's like night and day. I'm playing Elden Ring right now. Yeah. Okay. And if you're trying to do a lead leg question mark kick, that's like some Elden Ring shit. That's like difficulty. You got to pull your knee up high and somehow to get a slap, slap over the shoulder when you're like within hand reaching distance of somebody, right? Like I have one leg forward when I'm in my fight stance and you have one leg forward when you're in your fight stance. And if I'm close enough to kick you with my front leg, I'm basically close enough to touch you with my lead hand. Yeah. So to be able to pull your knee straight up the center line and slap your fucking kick around over the lead shoulder of somebody requires some crazy flexibility and some crazy dexterity and like this dagestani wrestler has that kind of like hip dexterity and that kind of kicking skill so this is khabib's cousin yeah what, what you're describing here is uh khabib with a fucking kicking game with a um, ridiculous no, kicking I'm, I'm game not fighting. <laughs> this is one of the under the most underrated aspects of these dagestani fighters like oh, 14 look, and 0 as well yeah exactly yeah and if you look at somebody like zabit and you look at Umar Namagomedov, and you look at that uh, that king of kung fu guy, and if you look at some of these Dagestani guys with their or the Koreshkov, the Russian guy who just broke five ribs of the guy in Bellator. Did you see that no, turning back kick? There was a turning back kick. I think his name is Koreshkov in Bellator. He threw a uh, spinning back kick that literally broke five ribs and punctured a dude's lung. Like these motherfucking Russians, these Dagestani guys, they have some ridiculously explosive kicks like fucking uh what's his name will throw uh zabit magomed shuripov will throw the anthony showtime pettis kick off the fucking cage wall this motherfucker's crazy yeah some of these guys have ridiculously kick this kicking game this is like one of the most robust kicking regions in the world like if you're gonna put top three it's thailand it's the it's the, the netherlands the holland style, yeah the dutch style kickboxing and then it's russia they got some crazy kicks in. What was the other? Remember the old Bellator champion, Shlomenko? Remember him? He was another one who had some crazy kicks, spinning back kicks, knocked out a bunch of people. Tito Ortiz choked him out one one time in Bellator, but he was like 48-2 and two or 48-1 and one or something. So these guys have incredible talent. And to think of like a Nurmagomedov with their wrestling, to be able to strike yeah, like that strike and kick like that, what the fuck, dude? How are you going to fight these guys? And then uh, there was one other team, Khabib guy. On the main card, he Can lost you find though, it. Didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he lost a pretty close decision to uh, Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott, who fought for the title, beat him, and I think it was a pretty close split decision. 
But he's another team Khabib guy. Khabib apparently was pissed off because he reached in the glove and grabbed him. And then in the post-fight press conference, Dana White said, like, I, got I talked to Khabib, but he seemed like he was really pissed off today. I don't know why he's in such a bad mood. And then one of the press guys was like, oh, was it because Tim Elliott was grabbing in his fighter's glove? And he's like, yeah, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, he's not. Because that was the only team Khabib guy that's, like, ever, ever lost. lost. That's, like, ever lost. And it was a split decision. And you can see Khabib in the corner when they showed the foul being like, dude, his, his head looked like it was about to explode as he's yelling at the referee because he was hooking the glove. That's what they say. The one thing that could possibly bring him back is if, like, one of his fighters lost and there was bad blood. Khabib what if be Gaethje like, beats him? Right? And Gaethje, right? Because Gaethje and Khabib just fought and it was all nice and polite. What if Gaethje fights Islam, knocks out Islam, and goes Kobe Covington on Khabib to try to get him out? Like, and he just fucking starts talking mad shit. Yep. Or Conor McGregor knocks out Islam. <laughs> This is the real one, right? What if in some fucking fantasy world, they slide Connor in to fight Oliveira, which might fucking might happen. Might well happen. He starches, Oliveira. gets him out in the first round before it can extend too far and Oliveira's trickiness can catch him, right? Yep. Islam is already the number one contender. Conor McGregor goes on that fight and he starts calling Islam a pussy and starts talking about the fight on the cage or whatever. And then he fucking knocks out Islam. And that, he's like, Khabib. Yeah. Let's, then we're dealing with like the Thrilla in Manila type shit, dude. We're dealing with like Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali. Ever? That is the potential biggest fight to ever exist. Now, at this moment in time, no Russian person will be able to fly anywhere to watch it. So they better give it a few months. Oh, and could you imagine, especially with the war going on? Dude, like, you know, because the thing that makes like that 60s generation of, of the heavyweight boxing division so amazing is it's like Muhammad Ali, who had all of these issues with the Vietnam War. And then he comes back after years of being suspended and loses to Joe Frazier. And at that point, he was the youngest champion. He came up, took time off, and then became this whole political thing about black versus white. And Joe Frazier was Uncle Tom. And it had this fucking, like political and social dynamic that when those fights happened like that was a fucking event and like it was like that a little bit with khabib and connor yeah the first time but if so, some shit happened if connor like, knocked this, out islam yeah. that would and then khabib comes back that is like legendary shit that's like once in a generation type fucking shit in the middle of a war it'd like it'd be like with to connor talking shit like oh my god It'd be like Rocky Four if, you know, Rocky was Irish and into cocaine and steroids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, you know what I saw, which is also kind of hilarious? Did you ever see the video of uh, Conor McGregor and Putin when they oh, met? When he puts his hand on him. When he puts his arm on him, and then you see the security look over at him, and then Conor has this moment where he's like, I might die right now. And then he puts his hand right next <laughs> to his waist, and he's like, peace out. What's up, camera? Yeah. But honestly, man, the potential for that would be crazy. I don't think Conor could beat Islam, especially now. I don't straight. think I, it happens, but I hope it happens. I mean, that's kind of like if you wish for like once in a lifetime lightning to strike, dude. I mean, I've, I've even waited. Connor versus Islam because of that whole that. narrative. Yeah, that alone. So we're skipping over that, but that alone could be fucking world-ending shit. Like <laughs> that, that is like, unfortunately, no, I've wasted. god level threat, right? Like from One Punch Man. <laughs> <laughs> I've wasted all my fighting wishes, obviously, on uh, you know Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, I was. No, not and if you didn't get enough from that, you could have wasted wasted it all on Khabib and Tony Ferguson. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah, I've wasted a lot on that as well. Yeah, I mean, the, to be fair, the boxing gods are particularly cruel in this scenario. But we've missed a few MMA matches that would have been legendary. 
uh, I mean, I don't even know if you want to know, but talk about if you want to talk about like Ukraine and all the fighters that are. I mean, you got three of the Wait. best world champions yeah. currently in boxing fighting in a war in Ukraine. You see the videos of both the Klitschko's. One of the Klitschko's, I think it's uh, Vitaly, is the mayor of yeah. of Kiev. Did you see his interview? Yeah. Well, this interview is like, what happened last night? I oh, killed six people. Like, I do. I You know what? He's probably not wrong because he's in charge of things. Yeah. He's in charge of shit. And these guys, so you got both of the Klitschko's, like two of the greatest fucking heavyweights ever. You've got Lomachenko, who's also Ukrainian. You've got, like, this is a crazy situation. You've got... Uh, the guy who beat Joshua. Usyk. Uh, Usyk is there. Like, Lomachenko is Ukrainian, right? Maybe. <laughs> Can you double check? Yeah. So I don't sound like a fucking idiot. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's Ukrainian. I'm like 99% sure, but I've had a few beers, so my brain is, and someone's going to scream, and he's not fucking way. He's Ukrainian, I'm certain. Ukrainian, okay. yeah. Yeah, I just had, to be, I just had to be sure. I got a little bit of panic in the back of my mind. I was like, oh, I don't want to be an incense. They said something insane, like, oh God, I'm not good with numbers, but like over 600,000 people have returned to the country to take up arms. Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh shit. You know, I mean, it's an existential threat, right? And when you have, I mean, I even feel like, I don't know how much credence I actually put into this, but I have moments of like guilt almost where like, I'm just like living my life here and I'm watching yeah. dumb fucking YouTube, YouTube videos doing stupid shit. And then you really think about like shit that's going on in other parts of the world. And it's to a certain extent of roll of the dice. You really have to be grateful. Like yeah, COVID very quickly is out of people's minds because there's a fucking war going on. It just puts things into perspective a little differently. Right. And it affects every community. Did you see the yeah. Ukrainian girl today in the fights who won? Uh, I, I didn't see it, but it was a pretty crazy emotional. fight. And there was a lot of beef between those two girls. Like they were talking mad shit. They were former training partners and yeah. stuff. And then obviously the war in Ukraine started and she's going over there and fighting. And you can imagine like the emotional weight on her shoulders, like to lose in that scenario would just be devastating. And there was tons of support. And just to give the other perspective a little bit, I, I kind of appreciated that there were a lot of Russian fighters who did well. And I'm not saying that like, like, you know, if you're fucking like Russia, like, if your country just goes in and starts bombing people to try to take their country, you're not in the right. But the Russian government is not the Russian people. Yeah. And the Russians that are fighting also were, like, going through some shit that they have no fucking say in. And that they're also probably, like, in this public light. And they started booing uh, one of them. I can't remember who it was. I think it was the one that lost. Yeah. He, he did some interview. And he didn't say anything, like, controversial or anything. But he was like, thank you, Russia. Thank you, this. Thank you. And the crowd started booing him. And he didn't do anything, and it. But but at least it's complicated, them, right? Yeah. But at least none of them were like waving the Russian flag yes. around the ring, going. And like, ultimately, I'm on team fighter, right? Yeah. And if you're in my community and you're a martial artist and you're fighting in the UFC, or I know you, I have Russians that train at my gym, and I have a Russian that trains at my gym that's pro-Russian. I teach her private lessons three times a week. Yeah. She's from one of the breakoff regions that Putin declared independent, and she's like, yeah, like ninety percent of the people there. Are ethnic oh, Russian. russians and yeah. speak russian and she's my age so her parents grew up in the soviet union and when they grew up in that same region they were part of russia then and so that it's an interesting perspective to me and i don't take a side i'm not political about it i'm just on team martial arts yeah like i want the russians who are fighting in the ufc i don't want them to not be able to work if they don't have anything to do with they it and they don't have an opinion on it but i'm also like not I'm also in support of a country defending itself from people who are trying to fucking take their shit. So like, yeah. But if you think like, say 
Khabib came out today and was like, fuck Putin, fuck the war, this is awful, this shouldn't be happening. What do people think is going to happen to him and his family when he gets and back And what to if Russia? he came back and he's like, yeah, Russia, awesome, fuck you, Ukraine. Like, it's yeah. fucking political suicide either way. Yep. And he lives in America and he, you know what I mean? And he, yeah. like, and, and for so many of these people, like, they don't give a fuck in the sense that, like, they don't have a dog in the race. Like, they're trying to live their life. And then all of a sudden this world event is upon them and they're dragged in on it. Yeah. And you just do your best. And like, if you're Russian, you probably support your country, but maybe you don't support everything they do, but you're still proud and Russian. Right. And you're, and you're just in this weird spot where you're like, all of a sudden the world events have defined your relationship with your country in a way that you're probably not super comfortable with. But what can you say? If you, if you dissent, then you know where you might end up. The protesters who got arrested for protesting in Moscow. Yeah, you don't protest in Russia at the best of times. You certainly don't protest the war when you're in one. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fucking crazy situation. And it seems like, you know, I even th- I remember thinking at the end of 20, 2020 and 2021, I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel like COVID's going to get better. The world's going to start to get better. Boom, we're fun- coming out of the pandemic. Here's a war. You thought a global pandemic was the fucking tip of the iceberg, the tip of the spear? Yeah. Have a fucking war on top, baby. Yeah, you know, we've not had for a long like, time a major European war. Oh, good, let's have one of those. Yeah, we haven't had a good old European white on white war in a while. Long time. I, I keep seeing these news articles that just keep talking about the fact that it's like white people fighting white people, and I'm just like, first of all, you war in Europe is as classic as fucking as it comes. And second of all, like, what is that? Why is that even the narrative? Like, I just don't even know what the world is going coming to. Like, yeah, it's very strange, and as well, like. You know, the, the the norm is actually Europe constantly being at war. Exactly. If you look through the that history, is, if you look through yeah, that's the, abnormal, the normal. The abnormality Standard. is what's just happened where we've not had a war exactly. since 1945. That's the weird bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, you still had like the Cold War and you still had the Berlin Wall. And that was within our lifetimes. That shit still existed. But, you know, the short term memory of the younger generation is so fickle. And you forget that global calamity was less than 100 years ago. Slaves. Basically, Jim Crow, unequal rights. That shit was in the 60s. Yeah. Okay. 20 years before that, you had the greatest global calamity to ever happen to human and earth civilization with nuclear power. That's all within 100 years, you people. How easily you forget. So, also, the Spanish flu. Go back a little further. World War One. We can keep going. We This shit happens all the time. Like <laughs> Somewhere there must have been like someone who turned 18 on like 31st of December going from the 1800s into the 1900s. Like, and he must have been like, oh, yeah, brand new century. This is going to be amazing. Think of all the good times ahead. And then, no, World War One, Spanish flu, World War Two. Uh-uh, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can talk about the stock market crash. You can oh, talk, yeah, I mean, yeah. We can go. We can do this game forever. Okay. Cuban Missile Crisis. We, we can keep going. Just, oh, have a little perspective that, that Titanic looks good doesn't it I should a- go on that appreciate the fact that you live in a mostly risk free world yep. you know and then pray for the people of Ukraine and Russia who are in this situation by the way we're team martial arts here so everybody just hang on hang on we gonna get through this Jake we're going to get this, bro. We've, yeah, we've through COVID now. That's gone. So we've just got this next one to get to. It's fine. It's going to be great fun. Well, 2000, 2023 is going to be a- I say bring back Trump. Let's do this whole thing with Trump. Let's do this. Let's. I want a Russian war with Trump on the... No, I don't. No, don't. I'm talking shit, everybody. Could you imagine if Trump had won and then invade... If you look at how his response is to this situation in Ukraine... 
Could you imagine if that guy? Listen, and I, I, I'm not against re- Republicans. I'm not against conservatives. My family was like that. Most of them. Some of them were liberals. But I've seen it, and they're good people, and I get it. And I get conservative politics. You need that. They balance each other out. The left can go off the rails just as easily as the right. Okay, You need the countermeasures to create centrists where you can get shit done in a common sense type of way. Yeah. But could you imagine if Donald Trump saying what he's saying now was the fucking president? (laughs) How crazy this would be? You're dealing with the U.S., Russia, and China in agreement on something like this. Can you imagine what that world would look like? It'd be insane. I mean, we're going off the rails here a bit, but wow, that would have been so crazy. Yeah. I can't wait till 2024 just because yeah, just because he's funny. Yeah. All right, dude, I got to pee and then we'll finish up that second card. Is that cool? All good. All right, I'm going to clap. All good. And we are back. All right. So one thing we haven't talked about yet is uh, one championship, which is coming back next weekend. Actually, one over the next month is pretty sick. Yeah, they got uh, the they got the lights out card. I got they got the one X card. Yeah, and yeah. When any, whenever anything has got an X in it, you know that's gonna it's be good. legit. That's how you know it's legit. And if you are curious, we are going to be doing a live podcast for uh, the one X. So when Road Tang fights Demetrius Johnson, that whole card is sick. It's going to be uh, me. It's going to be. Former one championship fighter Stephen Langdown and Uncle Ron. Ron Ong, coach at uh, Stronghold MMA and the former Singapore champion, lightweight champion. So, uh, and of course, Jake. Jake, the producer, will be in the house. So we're going to do a live live stream for that. Me and Stephen are probably going to be drinking. Ron's going to sit here wishing he was drinking he was the whole drinking. time. And then talk about Donald Trump for like an hour. As these podcasts always tend to go, all he's talked about to me is like woke shit and Biden and Uncle Ron does not shut up about American politics. It's all I get from this dude. So if you're looking for a little uh, MAGA love and you're looking for some fight breakdowns, the Stronghold Podcast is your place. Sprinkling of uh, conspiracy theory on there as well, yeah. If you are one of the one people that are looking for that, then we are here to provide for for you for free. So, uh, yeah, come, come listen to that. That'll be fun. You know how it is when Steven, Ron, and I are on the podcast. We've done two that literally were banned. Yep. That happened twice. Don't know why we wasted our time doing happened it. happened with Ron and Steven two times. I could not put the podcast up because it was so heinous. <laughs> so <laughs> if that's what you're into, check that one out. Otherwise, dude, let's break down the one uh, next week. Next so week. one championship. is It's in Singapore uh, next weekend. Friday. Friday. Oh, Friday. Nice. Oh, Friday. I'm, All I'm, right. Can you read out the card? All right. So top of the cards, uh, we got Leigh versus Tonan. That's mm. going to be interesting. Gary so Tonan's- Ton Lee, who just knocked out uh, Martin Nguyen for the title, is fighting Gary Tonan. I mean, this is as grappler striker as it gets. Yep. Um, Ton Lee's Instagram is pretty fun. If you watch him, he does all. He can do like all the spinning kicks, and he trains in the gi sometimes. And he was a traditional... Uh, MMA fighter, he's had mixed results against really, really good grapplers. Um, but his striking is nasty. His nasty. But I feel like this is all on Gary Tonin. Yeah, if Tonin is not going to stand and strike with him, he's going to go in, wrestle him, and then try. The thing is, though, Tonin has been willing to strike more than like a normal dude who's a, a normal grappler who's afraid to strike. Yeah, like he looks confident enough to do it enough. His striking's not terrible but he's, he's not also- like matt hughes where he just like is always going to bull rush and every time you get near him or ben Askren or something yeah. like that like he's competent enough on the feet that he's able to keep it there but he does engage in that and you wonder like 
He's smart he, though. He's he not, shouldn't. <laughs> this time, shouldn't. this time, just just do your graphic yeah, guy. He shouldn't. That'll be what works. I actually think Martin Wynn is a more interesting matchup for Tonin because he's a jiu-jitsu black belt and he's got good grappling. He tapped out Christian Lee. Or te- no, didn't tap him out. He, did he? Did he tap out Christian? I can't remember. He beat him twice. I can't remember what happened in the first fight. The second fight, he beat him by decision. And uh, um, But my point is, is Martin Nguyen's grappling is, on the surface, better than uh, Ton Lee's. But Ton Lee's a champ. And Gary Tonin deserves it. He's he's been brutal. He's been dominating. Excuse me. Since he's been in one. And uh, one of the DDS guys, the Dan Hardesk squad guys, might end up with a championship. But it's definitely the biggest fight of Gary Tonin's career. Yeah. For sure, it's the hardest fight. He has a but he has a clear path to victory. Yeah, like, for sure. And so does Ton. But the level that they are, it's like the middle areas where. Gary Tonin shines because obviously Ton is a better striker. Obviously Gary Tonin is the better submission guy, but Gary Tonin is also the better wrestler. Yeah, and he's a scrambler, and he can he can get into grappling situations other than just by shooting a double leg. He's got a lot of ways that he can get a hold of you. He can fucking fly, scissor heel hook you. He can snap you down. He can double leg you. He's got really good wrestling. He can clinch you. He can pull guard. Yeah, he's got a lot of different ways that he can get to where he wants to be. And uh, I don't think Tano has nearly as many ways to deal with that. So it's in the middle areas where I think he'll he'll do well. But what do you think, man? If if uh, Gary Tonin gets a championship, I mean, what what's in it for him? I mean, like, what's coming up next? He could fight Christian Lee, although Christian has his rematch yeah. with Akrayun probably set already. Yeah, I don't know who he's going to go to because that division's because Christian's tied up. There's not a lot going on. Who's next? Can you pull up the featherweight division for one championship? Martin Nguyen is up there. He's probably one or two now because he, Ton took the belt from him. Yeah, let's throw that up there and see what we're dealing with. Let's find him. Where is he? Lightweight. It should be Akrayun's face. Ah. No, but this is for the belt, is it not? Am I going crazy? Yeah. I mean, it should just be the lightweight division, wherever you see that. Go up a little bit. No, because lightweights, Ark, and then Christian. And then yeah, that's that's the division. Oh, no, you, want, you, want the, in you it. want the featherweight? Ah, yeah, because it's a featherweight. That's why. Yeah. So who's yeah, sorry so, featherweight? Yeah. So who's who's under Gary Tonin in the featherweight rankings? So you got Martin New. Uh, oh God, I can never. Martin New is number one. Yeah, New uh, Number no, number one is Kim Jae Wung. Number two is Tonin. Oh. Martin's three. Tankai. Okay. Tanley at the top. And who's the fifth? And uh, Yoshiki Nakahara. Oh, okay. All right. So, well, I guess then if Tonin wins, he's going to fight Kim Jae Wong. So yeah. Easy. Okay. I mean, not an easy fight, but the math is simple, isn't it? And then lightweight, it's Akrayun, Christian, and uh, Nestyukin. Is he three? Dagi, Aoki, Yuri, and. Um, oh, so they don't even have Nestyukin on there. Okay. No. Interesting. But yeah, so anyway, this fight's going to be pretty sweet, man. And let's, what's the co-main event here? Uh, Lineker. Lineker. Yeah, John Lineker. He's probably, he's definitely top five in the world. Yeah. Definitely he's, top five. He hits so hard. He hits so hard and he goes to the body hard. Really good boxing, man. So you got him versus... Uh, Bibiano Fernandez. That yeah. is a damn good fight. good fight. That is a damn good fight. If Bibiano beats Lineker, though, like that dude's got to get more respect. Like Bibiano is a motherfucker. He's been the champion for... How many years in one? 
five years or something? He's been so long. Yeah, so long I can't remember who was. He, he lost one and then came back and won again. But Bibiano has been on the top for a long time. He's got to be his late 30s too. So timing seems right for, for John Lineker, but that's a banger. That's one of the best That's one of the best bantamweight fights. Wait, is it flyweight or bantam? Uh, bantam. Yeah, one yeah. of the best bantamweight fights you're going to see outside of the UFC. Yeah, for yeah sure. definitely. And then uh, what's the third on the main there? Uh, you got the Muay Thai World Championship, which is a very hard to say oh, tie now. Dude. Oh, wait. Oh, oh pra... Pryan Chai and Lasiri. Oh, yeah, Pryan Chai and Lasiri. Yeah, so Lasiri is the guy that uh, Jonathan Haggerty beat. Good, though, man. Good fight. Dude, the, the, the one Muay Thai and kickboxing sweet. is ridiculous. Yep. It's ridiculous. It's, it's so right. good. It's the best shit you can get. If you're like a if you're like a Muay Thai or a kickboxing crackhead, like that is the good shit. Oh, yeah, that's the That's nice. the pure shit. Yep. That's the shit you pay top dollar for. It's so good. It's the best outside of Thailand. And we got to get to the most... Uh, philosophical question of the day. The Cain Velasquez situation. So is the philosophical question, how big should his medal be? His medal? Yeah. His, his jail sentence, potentially. Yeah. Is, have you read the actual story on what he did, though? Not fully. So see if you can pull this up. I, I can outline it for you because I, I actually read the article about what happened today. So if you're listening to this and you don't know, Cain Velasquez is the former two-time heavyweight champion, one of the baddest motherfuckers to ever walk the planet. And uh, apparently what happened was Cain Velasquez's relative, don't know if they specified daughter, cousin, something like that, but some so young family member. On Rogan today with Bisbing, uh, they were talking about it and they said his four-year-old daughter. They said so, his daughter? Yeah, that's what they said. I just kept seeing relative and I don't know if it's because they're hiding the identity or if for whatever reason. I just kept seeing relative, but I read the article today and basically what happened is apparently this person had been molesting his young relative, let's say, for multiple times. This has happened multiple, multiple, multiple times. And this is, and apparently the original story that I read had said that Kane had uh, shot him, right? That was the original story that I read. So my initial thought is, okay, yeah, somebody's trying to molest Kane Velasquez's daughter or relative or whatever the case may be. Kane fucking snapped and shot him. I was like, right, justified, of course, right? But then I actually read the story, and what the real story reported was that apparently they had some conflict, and they left in a vehicle. And they were they were trying to basically flee in a vehicle, and Kane got into his vehicle and then chased them in a car down the road, and then fired a shot into a car with multiple people in it, including this boy's dad, and that he managed to hit not the guy who molested his relative, but actually the father of the guy who molested his relative in a high speed chase, and he hit not the guy he was trying to, yeah. and there were multiple people in the car. And so I saw that, and I'm like, <sighs> my initial knee-jerk reaction is like everybody else who heard the story, which is like, yeah, I mean, fuck that dude. Yep. Like, but what what we all wish, I feel like, like the collective consciousness of the martial arts communities wish had happened was just that Cain Velasquez beat the shit out of this guy. Yeah. But instead, he got into a high-speed pursuit where he fired a shot into a car full of multiple people and did not hit the person who he was accusing of the crime. Yeah. And when you think about it from that lens, you're like, oh, man. He didn't kill him, thankfully. But the, the charge, as far as I read, was uh, attempted murder. Yeah, that's what he says. And uh, it's just so messy, Jake. It's so messy. 
It's so convoluted oh, and it's so adjacent to the actual person who don't he had the real of, issue with. Don't have a lot of sympathy for someone trying to. But escape. do you have sympathy for the dad that got shot? Probably just trying to run with his kid. Like, yeah, but if he knows what his kid did and what this guy's after. But it's for. still your kid, and you didn't do that. He didn't do that, and he shot. Yeah, he's trying to trying to help a child molester escape, though. So sorry. Yeah, but the price. he didn't do it. And he got shot by the UFC heavyweight champion. I'm just saying it's 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 it. The feeling of dissatisfaction comes from the fact that it's indirect. Yeah. Right. Like it just makes it unsatisfying because it is satisfying to all of us if he attempted to shoot that guy and hit him. If he hit him, if he didn't hit him, or if he just beat the shit out of him, yeah. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. But you definitely just can't get into a car firing shots while you're chasing somebody down a street. No, that's a t- terrible idea. Not good, not good. And then, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Maybe you guys, if you disagree with me, please just throw it in the comments. But I'm also thinking about this from a isolated point of view because I'm not in it. Yeah. But my other knee-jerk response is that, and this is in defense of his child or his relative or whatever. Of course, you would want to do something for that, and yep. you would want to do something because of that. But in a kind of twist, in a kind of universe shitting on you and just nature destroying you, you end up taking yourself away from your daughter that you were trying to protect. Yeah, I mean... And it's just right, a cruel right, right, twist so of fate. Yeah. You end up actually depriving your child from you. Yep. And how much more beneficial would that time have been if you could just keep your shit together? I think... I mean... You hope he just gets off. I know. Yeah, I know. Because right, like, yeah. no one actually died. Yep. So in defense of him, that's the good thing. I don't see how he gets off not serving some prison time, though. Yeah, for, but for shooting somebody that you didn't intend to and hitting somebody, like, ugh, it's just so fucking messy. And I might be in the minority here. I don't know because everybody's arguing on his side, and I am too. Yeah, but it's the unintended consequences that I'm arguing against, and the idea that in your rage, if you were to attack that person, I would be in favor of that. But if you're in your rage, you're willing to expend other people. We're getting into a different area. Yeah. And it's like in a street, well, in chasing him in a car. Get that dude, isolate that dude, plan meticulously for weeks and find a way to beat the shit out of dude. All of that stuff I would be in favor of. But snapping and getting in a high-speed car chase and, yeah, chase, and shooting into a car, like, it's just... Uh, but, uh, you know... He, but the, ra- the, he, the he rage, been, yeah, I understand, mate. right? You can't... He, and apparently this happened multiple times. I, I read something that said this is ha- had happened yeah. multiple times. Yeah. And so you have to just everybody can sympathize with Kane's rage. Yep. And the fact that he lost his temper. No like, one we can like, all get behind that. No one can say they wouldn't have done that themselves. Like no one. Like everybody can say, Yeah, I could yeah. see how I would have done that. I mean, no what one a, can say, Oh no, probably oh, oh, no, I'd have remained calm. Bullshit. What a crazy story that Kane Velasquez is in jail for attempted murder. I mean who if you and I had this conversation last week, right? Yeah, how many times would we have said John Jones? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And we're talking about Cain Velasquez, universally loved. Like Cain is universally loved. And then you hear the, the story surrounding it, and then you're like, oh god, what a, what a brutal situation to be in if you're him. And like, because we we all can understand that processing that and being objective about it is impossible. Yeah, not happening. You are a complete victim to the circumstance, and. We all would like to pretend that like we would keep our shit together, but we all probably understand we would snap also. So yeah. how do you deal with it? It's another one, man. It's we got another 
I know. I mean, I, I feel like he might be in jail for a long time, man. By the time they get through his because he's got more court than case, that, he's got more eleven than charges, charge. yeah. thirteen charge, whatever the number was. Like there's some big number of all different charges that he was dealing with. Maybe you can find it. So we can be specific, but the attempt to murder faces, is just one. Faces 10 charges yeah. in total, including shooting an occupied motor vehicle, three counts of assault with a firearm, three accounts of assault with a deadly weapon, willfully discharging a firearm from a vehicle, uh, carrying a loaded firearm with intent to commit a felony, amongst other things. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. I mean, that is not, that is not the ideal situation to be in. And it's just such a moral fucking quagmire right it really is just because first of all there are like, there are clear extenuating circumstances yeah. he didn't just get in his car one day and go i'm oh, just gonna run, drive around shoot me gun at someone i mean i feel like the court will understand yeah and he will get some lenience because they will understand it but also i feel like you probably gotta do some time man like you, you can't also allow the message though that that's okay because yeah. this, this time nothing that bad happened but if he just beat the shit out of him yeah I think we can all collectively agree. Remember there was that, I was talking to somebody, I think Ron, about this earlier today. Remember the case in Texas where the guy had found, like literally found the, this guy who was like, he considered him like a brother, like an uncle to the girl or whatever. Yeah. And he, he found him molesting her when she was like five years old, back behind some barn or something like that. Beat him within an inch of his life. Got off scot-free. And the collective world sighed a sigh of relief. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, didn't kill him. Could have. Maybe you can make Maybe the argument should have. But we're not playing that argument. We're going to yeah. try to come from a moral high ground where the average individual is not the moral arbitrator of the death penalty. Right? Yeah. We're going to take that high ground and assume that it's not within our right to take someone's life for a crime that may be very heinous. Right? But to beat him within an inch of his life, everybody was like, yep. Yep. I, yep. I, we're yeah. good. I actually prefer those prison rules of like child molesters a kill on sight. I'm fine with that. Maybe they do. <laughs> but maybe you're fucking Batman and you have the one rule. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that should be the rule, right? It really should be. It, like in a, in a, ra a vigilante rage, and people have also gotten off for that too in the past killing and rage and protective of their family members yeah. and stuff like that and it's a sticky situation and there are times where it's maybe appropriate and there are times maybe where it's not but the point is we all collectively agree that beat that fucking dude's ass but you can't just be killing people <laughs> like you can't just be fucking chasing people in a car <laughs> no maybe not that far I'm putting a ridiculously dark spin on this but you just can't be killing people man you can't, you can't be doing that so uh, I don't know I'm conflicted on this I'm really conflicted on it. Yeah, like, I didn't know. That. Everybody seems to be in the free Cain Velasquez camp, and I am too. But it was a crazy circumstance. Yeah, this is a crazy story from a former well-beloved UFC heavyweight champion. Man, what a world we live in! Isn't it crazy? Is, is it? Are we victims of circumstance and victims of short-sightedness, or are we living in a particularly crazy time? No, all of human history has been fucking mentally. You just put put like a timeline on a wall throw a dart at it wherever it lands since the beginning of recorded history some mad shit was happening like five years either side of that date if not on that date that's true but if you think about like the great innovations that have happened in the last like let's say 50 years within yep. our lifetime or our parents lifetime right you've got i mean you could go back slightly further and get way more profound with something like we, we can go simple we keep it like internet social media 
obviously a pandemic I'll, that we're living through. I'll go back in time. I'll raise you the wheel. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, 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 but that's, but I can only go back like, <laughs> yeah. I can go back less than a hundred years and we're talking about electricity. Yeah. The very fundamental thing, vehicles, airplanes. But within the last 50 years, there's been some massive innovations, of course, including the internet, right? Which has just changed the way that we see about everything. And then obviously the pandemic is the greatest threat to us, at least in the way that the world has responded to it in our lifetime. For our lifetime. Yeah. Okay, we, we can say that. And then you got the wars now cooking back up. Things are getting a little weird in Taiwan and a little weird in Hong Kong and a little weird in China and a little weird in Russia and Ukraine and it's Donald all- Trump. And all of a sudden you got the Brexit and you're getting some weird shit going on in the last, the Arab Spring. You're getting some, some weird stuff, dude. We're in a weird time. I, I don't. And the, and the innovations, I don't, I, social media alone, yeah. can probably top that list. Like, I, I do and I don't agree though. Like, if you think if you were alive at this time in the eighteen hundreds, oh, you got mad stuff going off. And like, suddenly, like, you can you can send a telegraph to anywhere on the planet, and it'll get there instantaneously. Like stuff like that was mind blowing. And then you know you're like, oh, we, we've got the Boer War going on, and France is invading somewhere in Africa. Like people at that time as well must have thought everything was mad and the world was coming to an end. Yeah, it's always weird when you go back and look at some of those d- newspapers from like yeah. D-Day and from Japan bombing Pearl Harbor. You go and look at even some of the ones in Singapore are crazy. You ever seen any of the headlines about the war in Singapore when yeah. it's coming? It's fucking crazy. It's insane. Charmaine was like, so we were watching the thing about Russia and Ukraine, and Charmaine was like, uh, she was like. Oh, I mean, this this thing is whole ridiculous. It's like, we're in an age that lives beyond war. Like, when was the last time that there was a war? And I was like, your country got <laughs> taken over less than 100 years ago. <laughs> the country that you are living in yeah. was overrun by Japanese in a horrific stealing of a nation. Like yeah. you, you were in a guerrilla war with, like, communists. Yeah. <laughs> on the end of the bat and they, 15 they years They took ago. over, like, the Johor Bridge that you, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> literally, like... How quickly we all forget how yep. crazy life can be. Oh, can we finish? To, we went dark, so we'll finish on what I think is quite quite a positive. Note all right, bring it back, Jake. Yeah. Let's get, so, get us um, on the fucking straight and narrow, please. So, my, some of my uncles served in Singapore in the Second World War and were captured by the Japanese, and for fairly obvious reasons, then had a hatred of the Japanese for the rest of their lives to the extent where, like, when I was a little kid, you'd be like. Oh, Uncle James, what was the war like? And he'd be like, fucking Japanese, fucking blah, 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 like hated them, animals, all of them. So you got that background. And then when I first moved to Singapore, um, I got asked if I wanted to sing in a band, which was a Blues Brothers tribute band. So I went along and half the band were like Japanese guys, like friends of mine, who turned out to be friends of mine in the band. And bizarrely, I went to that event in Singapore on Victory in Japan Day and like me and a load of Japanese guys and like Western guys who our grandparents were literally killing one another here in Singapore, like what, in the 40s, 30s and 40s. Like that happened. They, they, we may well have had, you know, grandparents. And it's literally and grandparents. Oh yeah, literally grandparents. Yeah. Like, you know, one, what's that, two generations back from me. So they were killing each other on this island. Like maybe our own relatives were firing guns at one another. And then, what, I can't remember which anniversary it was, 60-year anniversary, 70-year anniversary, whatever it was, me and a load of Japanese guys are here in Singapore drinking beers on a, on a roof playing the greatest hits of the Blues Brothers together. Yeah. So it shows you as well how quickly things can change for the positive. I mean, dude, in the 1960s, black people couldn't fucking vote. That is like literally like your parents were alive then. 
People yeah. did not have equal rights. I mean, fucking gay marriage just got legalized. Like, what? Goddamn, in America. I mean, in Singapore, it's still a fucking crime. <laughs> in Singapore, it's still a, my marriage. Can't be gay, it's illegal. I know. And then, and you're still dealing with this shit, right? For, I mean, for, this is like, this is crazy. Like, we live in a crazy world. For a country that where being gay is illegal, if you go to certain parts of town at a certain time on a Friday and say, ah, there's a lot of gay dudes. Yeah. I mean, they've been, I've been to the Pink Dot thing like two, 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 two times. Yeah. Just because I'm like, I'll go. I'm going to fuck. Like, <laughs> I'll happily <laughs> go to that. Sounds like a good time. But yeah, we just live in a. But, we live in, I definitely feel like with historical hindsight, we live in a time that is distinctly unique for sure. Yeah. Just by the rise of the internet alone and how things are, I mean, something like technology as innovative as cryptocurrency. I mean, remember five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, when we should have bought Bitcoin, Bitcoin. When we should have bought Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. And then now everything is like crypto.com. UFC. NFTs. No, I saw some Tim Dillon quote. I don't know if you saw this meme, but he's like, we live in a day and age where a fucking digital artwork piece is going for the same price as a Lamborghini. Yeah. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> like, what the fuck? People buying real estate I mean, in the metaverse? This is why I think we are doomed because, you know, people are buying JPEGs of cats for $4 million. That tends to suggest the economy is not in a good place. I mean, yeah, and then you're dealing with <laughs> rising crash, gas right? prices, hyperinflation, inflation going all across the world. Let's get a little Alex Jones on this podcast. How about we do that? <laughs> Dip our toes into that. All right, Jake. We need, we need Ron for that. We need uh, Ron's coming, and Ron's going to bring the heat. I'm going to tell him to channel his biggest Alex Jones when he comes on the podcast. So if you guys want to see a MAGA supporting white supremacist I, Chinese MMA coach come on this podcast and talk shit, who, I got Uncle Ron yeah, for you. Who I am going to drip feed conspiracy theories <laughs> to the fact for the next two weeks just to get him ready. Yes, please. Ron's going to love that we're talking about him. You're such a fucking, such a sociopath. He's going to get a heart on just knowing that we're talking about him right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Jake, we hit everything that we wanted everything. to, right? We, we made our goals. We hit it up. Dude, we're, this is like episode 67? 66. I got someone oh, for... Three off the good one. I got I got someone already for episode 69. <laughs> so for all you inappropriate man-children out there, the giggle at the the sound of hearing the letters 69, or the number 69 put together, I got you. No, <laughs> I, I got one. I got 69 already ready. So... Uh, 68 will be Ron and Steven, right? Is that next next week? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. So uh, next week, we'll come back with a new episode of the podcast. Everybody, thank you all for listening. If you like this podcast, if you enjoy it, please like, share, subscribe. Jake, in the house. Stronghold podcast, in the house. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you all for listening. Have a good day. Oops. <laughs> I'll just clip it. <laughs>